Can I tell you something about how a bulldozer got a police escort after Christmas to destroy a garden dedicated to Black Lives Matter? Yes. And I'm assuming you're referring to the garden that was in Cal Anderson Park in Seattle, right? That's the one. Okay. So yes, can't wait to get into this. But first, I want to offer a little bit of context before we get the facts from you. So if you can take your mind back all the way to 2020, we all remember the Black Lives Matter movement throughout quarantine. Yes, this was in June 2020, specifically. Correct. And I'm sure many of you had seen headlines or articles in the news referring to a certain zone called Chaz or CHOP, which was in Seattle. And Chaz stood for Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, and CHOP was Capitol Hill Organized Protest or Occupied Protest. And for those who don't live in Seattle, Capitol Hill is just referring to the neighborhood in which this was happening. And we're from Seattle, but we weren't there at the time due to quarantine problems. But we have visited this garden that was in Cal Anderson for three years. And she was thriving, by the way. And so when this news broke, it was, it was not only like a shock because it was so random, but there are so many inconsistencies and just really, really suspect motives behind the destruction of this garden. So I wanted to just root you all in where this garden is from and why it matters. And also, if you're not from the area, if you don't care about Seattle, that's fine. I still think it's an interesting story because like, it's a garden and it was destroyed, but it represents something more than just the plants, right? It's the community effort and the cultural implications behind Black Lives Matter movement. And when you bring in police and the city, putting lots of money, time, effort, and a huge coordinated effort to destroy this, you have to wonder, why did this even happen in the first place? And so that's what we're really going to be getting at in this episode. But before we can do that, I'm going to have to give it over to Brendan yes. to tell the tale. Yeah. So. What what happened is the big question. So the Black Lives Matter garden in Cal Anderson Park was leveled on December 27th at 6 a.m. So that is not the day after Christmas, but two days after Christmas at 6 in the morning. And for those of you who don't know what 6 in the morning looks like this time of year, it's pitch black. They came out before dawn and... <laughs> and brought in the bulldozers and the fences to take out a garden. Seattle Parks and Recreation said, the temporary garden is being removed due to public health and public safety issues and the need for maintenance, including reseeding the area and turf restoration. So turf restoration, I, I do want to clarify here, is not astroturf. It's not like the artificial turf stuff. It's just that's the term for grass. So they want to repair the grass in the area and they need to do maintenance in that specific area. 
part of what they were also talking about is that that area provided like a natural amphitheater in the park and that I was seeing in my research that it used to be central to some park related events, but a lot of those events have found other homes in different parts of the park too. It is a nice natural amphitheater, but it is also a nice garden space in terms of what actually happened. Why did they show up at the crack of dawn? This is because there was actually an earlier effort to remove this garden this year This comes from Black Star Farmers, and they said that on Thursday, October 4th, Seattle Parks and Recreation Representative Andy Sheffer contacted Black Star Farmers to tell us that the Black Lives Matter garden would be removed starting as early as Friday, October 13th by Parks. They re-offered the area behind Rainier Community Center, which I'm going to note is like multiple miles away in an entirely different neighborhood to relocate our operation and said that they would help us move the plants. So this is when we actually first became aware of what was going on because as Claire said, we walk by this park a lot. We used to live really close in the neighborhood. That's where the dogs hung out a lot. And so we saw that there was a an effort to remove this garden. And we were surprised because it wasn't like a controversial space or a controversial garden. Um, And in fact, it's just been kind of getting bigger and bigger with each subsequent year. It's not that it's fallen to disrepair. It's, it's being maintained actively. And so there was a community effort to save the garden, like a, a classic kind of feel good movie effort. It's like, Hey, let's save the garden. So people made signs, they put them out there. They get, made a petition with, uh, that gathered 5,000 signatures to keep the garden because it was, it's one of like two key landmarks that, has survived since Chop and Chaz, the other being a mural on a street um, just down from it. Now, for why the garden was leveled, this is the big burning question that everyone has. So the Seattle Parks and Recreation statement says that in recent months, the temporary garden has created unsafe conditions for all park users, including the vandalism of Cal Anderson public restrooms, public drug use, unauthorized camping, and a significant rodent problem along with other issues. So according to Seattle Parks and Recreation, it sounds like there is a big public disturbance around this park, but that's different than the 5,000 signatures, than all the people that have shown up and physically gotten in the way of construction equipment to prevent them from bulldozing it earlier. So we have two different bodies that are opposed to one another. Here's one of the important pieces of context. For those of you that don't maybe live in a city or haven't spent a lot of time around cities, things in cities often get done by people just doing them and then the local government adapting to those needs. A great example within Cal Anderson specifically is you'll see that there are a lot of dogs that are off-leash. And that's because there is no open green space for people to off-leash their dogs. So they all collectively do it at the park where it is technically not allowed, but is rarely enforced. And the garden itself was started by Mark Henderson, who's a a man that's done like guerrilla gardening and like guerrilla urbanization projects before. Um, It started in June 2020, as you were saying. And uh, if you're wondering what the expertise are for people that do this sort of stuff... 
Henderson has an energy resources engineering degree from Stanford, a master's degree in sustainability in, in urban development, and years of experience working in sustainable agriculture. His Instagram shows him hard at work on various construction and gardening projects, and he's done community development at organic farms around the world. So this is the person that started the farm and taught a lot of the first people in Black Star Farmers how to take care of the land and like what it means to grow crops there. The garden's not just about Black Lives Matter. That was the event that started it. But what it's really about, and this comes from the same article in The Stranger talking about uh, Henderson, is we're dealing with a question of how black people have been disenfranchised for so long, pulled out of the economic system, Henderson says. One way of doing that is not giving people access to land. Going all the way back to emancipation, he points out, farming has been an important way for black people to gain autonomy and self-sufficiency. So it is actually not just, oh, this is a garden for Black Lives Matter. This is a way of thinking about our relationship with the land that we live on and the land that has been taken from other communities before us and a way for using public land to get some of that autonomy back. You know, a, a public space should be of the people for the people. And that's what this garden was really trying to do. I walked around the construction site today and I talked to people in the area one of the things that they were saying is there there were concerns about the the state of the bathrooms that are right next to it. They're concerned about the plumbing is another issue I heard, and rats getting into the garden and the crops. That being said, though, there are rats all around the city, so it's like I don't know the extent to that issue. I cannot verify that. I don't know the extent to any sort of sewer or water damage around the bathrooms that are near the garden. But what is really suspect is the fact that they chose the period of time between Christmas and New Year's, which in another article by The Stranger reporting on the leveling of this this garden, they said that some speculate that Seattle Parks and Recreation took advantage of the infamously disorienting period between Christmas and New Year's to destroy the garden in front of a smaller audience. Now, that was a lot of information, a lot of which doesn't point us in any sort of clear direction for what we as Seattleites should do or who is in the right and who is in the wrong. So my hope is that we can start discussing this together and maybe bring up some ideas for what that space should be going forward. So I just gave you a bunch of information. And if you're confused you would be just like myself. I'm confused with what's going on here. And there's a lot of information that I'm having a very difficult time verifying too. I mean, one of, so one of the things that I brought up to you that I was trying to verify while doing this research was this number 76 sweeps of that area. So 76 times this area has been swept and Black Star Farmer says that 30 of these sweeps have happened in that period of time from October through when that garden was destroyed. So it's like... That's insane. And I can't verify these numbers because when I look up the, the sweep history for the Seattle government, they actually do have records for it and they do have documentation. 
And I was only able to see one documented for Cal Anderson in the past year. And they, so it's, it's like, they're not documenting all of these sweeps. These numbers could be entirely arbitrary, but 76 was said from both black star farmers and from Seattle parks and recreation, but 30 in the past chunk of time shows that they were trying to, to clear that area specifically. I do want to clarify just what the term sweeps is referring to and what it means in the context of this park. Um, So the park is divided into two levels, the bottom, which is AstroTurf, the top, which is a larger field. And in between, there's bathrooms and the garden. So that's kind of like the geography of the area. It's also the only piece of public land on that side of the neighborhood in Capitol Hill. And there are a lot of people who live in this neighborhood. And so naturally, there are going to be more unhoused people there than anywhere else. Yeah, it's a park, it's public land. So naturally, yeah, you said it great. Like, that's just kind of how the world works. And since we lived there, I noticed a lot of police activity after Chop and Chaz And that is when police come in and they demolish their tents or whatever belongings they have at that time, take them away and force them to leave. I grew up in a rural town, so I had never heard of anything like this. I didn't even know that was legal and that's something that could happen. And when you see it for the first time, it's it's just such a helpless and hopeless thing because there's nothing you can do like the police just come in and then they leave and they destroy everything that was made and a lot of times people will come back and rebuild but it just leaves such a devastating and like disgusting tone and mark on that land and it just really really bothers me and to hear those numbers, 76 sweeps, 30 of which were in the last couple of months, is really, really hard to swallow, especially because this park historically has been like a safe spot. Yeah. Of course, there's like, yeah. there are issues. It, it's a park. It's not going to be heaven. But For many, and even just the neighborhood of Capitol Hill, it is a safe haven for people who maybe don't have anywhere else to go. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just the very idea of like, what can you, where can you exist in a city for free, (laughs) right? Like you start to realize that there aren't a lot of public spaces left. There used to be a lot more, but there aren't as many public spaces left. But it's also the the real cultural significance of this neighborhood in Seattle. If this had happened downtown, literally anywhere Amazon is or something like that, yeah. it, it wouldn't matter because there's no history. There's no culture. There's no meaning there. But when police purposefully and violently come in and destroy the smallest plot of land <laughs> that they could... And they're citing reasons for rats, plumbing, vandalism, drug use. Like, it's so (laughs) obviously a plot. 
like, I'm sorry, I have to go there. It's so obviously fake reasoning. And they obviously just want to clean it out, quote unquote, clean it out, wipe people away to make it look more presentable. It's exactly what they did when the all-star game for baseball came. Mm -hmm. And they did like an astronomical amount of sweeps near the stadiums because they knew a lot of people were coming and they wanted to clean up the city. And the other thing too is that there is the Winter Classic recently on New Year's, um, which is an, an outdoor hockey event that was hosted at Lumen Field. So another important part about where this garden is, is it's located right next to two public bathrooms. Oh, yeah. The public bathroom issue that Seattle has. So, and I think a lot of cities have this, but like specifically Seattle has it really, really bad. It is so difficult to find public restrooms in the city that if you are unhoused or even if you're just out and about, yeah, you have nowhere to go to the bathroom. Literally nowhere. Like most restaurants, it's hard to get into the bathroom. Yeah. Right? Like they more or less make sure that you're a paying customer, you're buying things to prevent people from using the bathrooms. Yeah. It's such a lame excuse, but like, I get it, whatever. But the city itself is not providing public restrooms. And a lot of like, I don't know, tourist heavy places do. So it's kind of an odd problem to have. And so it comes at no surprise that a place, a public place that happens to have public restrooms is going to attract more people because that's the only place they can go. I mean, can you imagine being unhoused and not knowing where to go to the bathroom? It's like a, yeah. Like that's, there's a, yeah, that is just the truth. There is a a Seattle times article about like just how bad this issue is within Seattle. And I will say that in their fencing off of those bathrooms, they did put up some porta potties outside. But oh, good. But you know what you else look, they did? <laughs> they painted over the rainbow. Yeah, paint that was on the bathroom. So it's like, what's their real agenda? This is what I'm getting at. It's like you can put up a porta potty and mm-hmm. say you're doing God's work when you're like covering up activism there is just like the juiciest street art that will pop up on these bathrooms yeah. like after like something political happens whether it's local or not like there are people out there doing god's work and they, they, they will there just, is some pretty funny yeah things. they will write the the funniest things so i have periodically seen like parks and rec sent to paint over it but they've never painted over the like rainbow yeah, on the top of it. So when I saw yeah, that, yeah. that really, really specifically bothered me because I don't know. I think that's a thing that went off in my brain saying, oh, this is bigger than I thought. Like, this is more than just bulldozing a garden. This is like cleaning out and more or less gentrifying a park. Or revising the history that happened there. Because here, here's where... Or all in one. Here's 
my little doozy for you because I think I found the villain in this story and I didn't want to reveal the villain so early on so people would just antagonize this one person, but Andy Sheffer is a bit bit of a double-crosser in this story. So Andy Sheffer was the representative for the Seattle Parks and Recreation that contacted Black Star Farmers about this garden being removed. I went back to news that was coming out when the garden was first created, and I actually learned da, 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 that there was the 2020 Cal Anderson Park Project which he was a big part of, which was in the wake of the Black Lives Matter protests, what they wanted to do was preserve the art and history of what happened there. And so they had like open community forums and all of this sort of community outreach to say, hey, how can we take what you all built here and like continue to uplift it, right? Sounds good. Sounds good. I went to the website and it's basically a bunch of community outreach. And then I was unable to see what they did in terms of follow up. So that's a bit concerning. So it's like a lot of, oh, we'll we'll listen to the community, listen to the community. And then there was no like parks and recreation support for the projects. The other thing too that is important when we're talking about like why this specific garden was maybe targeted is not just the historical significance, but it's also a a spot for people to coordinate mutual aid, which for people that are unhoused, that's just like, it's basic bartering. It's like, I have something, I need something like, how can we help each other out? Or sometimes people will like donate things and that's where people can collect things. And so, I mean, like they do everything from, mutual aid to providing food around that garden. So it means like they're doing, they're doing actual like community outreach and service efforts outside of the the city government. But I think it's like, again, it feels like the, the, the crime in cities narrative, right. Or the rising crime narrative or like the, the fentanyl problem narrative that, will lead a lot of these local governments and these mayors to make it or to doing actions that look good to their big right. donors. And the key word is look good, which is like literally cleansing what a city looks like. Yep. Yeah. You like it, <laughs> it's one of those things so where you messed up. It, it the the sweeps don't work. Everyone knows that 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 has done any sort of research on that in Capitol Hill and most of Seattle. People know that sweeps don't work. All that happens is you humiliate and dislocate people and then they have to go somewhere else and they will go somewhere else. You're not erasing a problem. The other thing, too, is that in those 76 sweeps that we're talking about for this specific area... I was kind of wondering how effective are these sweeps in terms of redirecting people to actual resources? Because part of this unified care team, which is the label for it, is that they're redirecting unhoused people to resources. However, only 11% of the people that have been offered housing have actually shown up to the location where they were offered housing to. And what that means is that there are a few things going on. One is that there isn't transportation from getting swept to where they tell you to go. 
So if you accept housing and they say, here's where you go, you have to figure out how to get there yourself. The other thing too is that there isn't like adequate housing provided to a lot of these people. So they're better off knowing what's comfortable and sticking with that than like as someone sweeping up and throwing all their things in garbage cans, them saying, oh, this is where you go next. So the the one thing that I was finding while doing all this research too was like the greatest correlation between homelessness and any sort of population. It's not drug use. It's not like education or anything like that. It's housing prices. Which in Seattle are ridiculously high. And just to go back to the sentence you said, like police showing up to Cal Anderson and literally throwing people's belongings in the trash. Yeah. And then not really guiding them afterwards. Like that, it's it's incredibly messed up because we know that just offering housing to like unhoused individuals, not only does it not work, but it's also not necessarily fixing an issue. Right. Like if you see some of these communities specifically in the park, like they are communities. I just get so mad when police and government in the city of Seattle just assume that anyone who is unhoused at the moment isn't worth help or the time of day and the belongings that they have are useless and they should all just be thrown in the trash and we should just get rid of them as soon as possible. It's so fucking disgusting. I just don't understand how any human being could look at another human being and think that. For a city that is positioned to be so liberal and so progressive this government is just incredibly fake. Yeah. And that's what I've learned over time. Now, I love living here. I love my home. But I am so frustrated with our mayor, Bruce Harrell, and what has happened after Chop and Chaz. Because during Chop and Chaz, I had so much pride in my city because I was amazed at... All of the community and the coming together efforts that happened after something so tragic that I like, I just wished I could have been there. And I like, I had a lot of friends that were, and it just seemed like an absolutely incredible community and place to be when so much shit was happening in the world. And then the stupid news comes on and calls the city a war zone. You know, that classic Shout out headline. Green Jacket Lady. Shout out Green Jacket Lady. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so upsetting for me to see that there, you know, there are people who live in this city that were trying so hard, just with this garden alone, to build back just a little bit of pride and lasting community because that's all anyone needs right now. And the city and the Seattle Police Department 
get a bulldozer and take it upon themselves and they literally ruin it. Like, yes, it's a metaphor, but it's also literal. Like they bulldozed that community effort. And so that's why we're making a big deal out of this. That's why people are really, really, really upset. Even if you don't live here, I want you to be upset. Because it's more than a garden. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, my more than a garden kind of moment for me is like when I first moved out here, I remember you showed me the garden. There's there's the the direction I like walked into Calvin Anderson when I first went in. You see the mural and then you walk past the play field and you see the garden. And you see like BLM and above the the bathrooms. And from when I first moved there to seeing my first spring and seeing how the garden bloomed and then you see another winter and then you see it grow back even bigger. I was excited to see what that garden would look like after years, after a decade. I was hoping that it would be something that you could measure the time from an event from how much that garden has grown and blossomed. And to see it just leveled so quickly is, while it's upsetting, I... I feel like if we remember what it was that created it, then it is up to like us as a community to continue that in any way that we can. Like the people that were around, they were like, yeah, people are, are still going to start planning. And like I, you're gonna, you're just gonna wait and see. They're, like the the fence has got to come down eventually. Yeah. And people, are, I think my my guess is knowing how this city operates, I think that if anything, they're just gonna plant harder. And in the my favorite thing that I heard when being out there today and talking was it's like it's like two things are free: cardboard and dirt. It's like you just put down some cardboard, six inches of topsoil, and you're good. And, and the garden's back. And the garden's well, back. I, I realize that. I, I'm, I think I'm still just in the anger stages of grief. I don't but, think it's okay. But yeah. it's like, I, I just know that there is, like, it's not dead. But this is devastating still. I think that you can't take the spirit out of the garden and the reason that it was planted. But like you said, it was thriving for three years. And it just makes you wonder what kind of like a monument or a safe space it could have become in like 20 or 30 years. And and for it to just be taken away so quickly, like in an hour. Yeah. And then it was just gone Mm -hmm. that's what's devastating it showed the i i don't know if i've said this yet but that garden was never going to move all these attempts to relocate it that's not what was going to happen it was the idea that like what does it mean for just plants to hold their roots and to not be moved like will the gut will the city come and like 
take heavy machinery and wage war against the plants. Because that's what it feels like. It's like, (laughs) it feels so extreme. Like, like Bruce, Bruce, talking to you now, buddy. They were plants. Like, (laughs) there are so many more issues that you should care about. And you know what, buddy? It's a little embarrassing for you. And so I hope the garden grows back and I hope it's 10 times bigger. And that's that. Yeah. For anyone that has listened through this whole bit, yes, this is heavy. We know that this is a lot. We we wish that this sort of sorrow wasn't being brought into the new year, but hey, they made us do it. We, however, are really looking forward to the kinds of stories that we can bring you throughout this this coming year. Spring's coming. Flowers are going to start blooming. Like all sorts of things are, are going to change. And I think that it's important to to use something like this as a reason to light a little fire in your stomach and think of what the next important thing you can do for your community is, whatever that may be. And we hope that this story makes you think about the places in your communities, wherever you may be, that are special to you. And, and why that, they're worth fighting for. And why they're worth fighting. And, and, and appreciate the things that may be a bit more DIY. Could be a skate park. Yeah. I would, skate parks are great for that. Yeah, skate parks are really great. <laughs> I, th- I think that was a beautiful way to connect it to anyone out there. Because every community has some source of pride or some central location that people gather in. And if that's threatened or taken away in any way, it deserves to be built back up. And so I know that that will happen. It's going to take a lot, time and effort, more time and effort than the city put into bulldozing (laughs) it, but it will be built back up. Yeah. Because this is still like a developing story, we will continue to update on our social media. Hopefully, there's not too many updates, but this is a story that we will continue to follow. So, because we care, gosh darn it. Because we care. (laughs) So, you can go follow us on our socials, they will be linked below. But other than that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.